Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. I'm Jeff Johnson. On the air with me today is Heather Shoemaker, and we're here to talk about... Um, I don't, what, what are we talking about, Heather? Well, we've got so many good ones, or as you call it, yummy topics to talk about. But I was thinking, as someone was just asking me the other day about, um, should she always play with her child? Because the, the child just says, you know, she wants the mom to be the main playmate because it's so much easier. You know, other kids, they cause problems. Like, they don't always want to go second and things. <laughs> and so mom is very uh, easy to get on with when it's playtime. She does whatever the child wants, and, and yet the mom gets nothing else done. So she was saying, what do I do? Oh, man. That, that can be a, a tough situation for a parent to find themselves in, too, because when that becomes the habit, for for the parent and the child, um, it, it's hard to break, and I'm not necessarily sure that uh, it's doing either one of them um, as much good as, as some other options may. Huh? Right. You know, it's. I think you're right, because it seems as if whether we're um, working outside the home parents or whether we're stay-at-home parents or a mix, it seems like so many of us have this kind of guilt that being a good parent or being home with the child means playing with them all the time and entertaining them all the time. Um, I've been asked to write m- multiple times ways, like if it's summertime, I'm asked to write a story about ways to entertain the kids in the summer. Or if it's wintertime, you know, well, how to entertain the kids when it's uh, bad weather outside. And I think, this is not our job to entertain kids. Kids were born to figure out how to entertain themselves. And sometimes we, we get that all mixed up and we get in the way of it all, and then everybody's pretty miserable. So I think it's a really rich topic. I, I, I think so. I, I, I had this go on um, literally 40 minutes ago. I was uh, sitting here in an upstairs studio uh, going over some, some notes because we were going to be recording and finishing up some other things. And grandbaby comes in and says, Papa, want to do a podcast with me? Because uh, she, she sees Papa podcasting and apples make apples. And so she wants to podcast. And, and so we'll, we'll set stuff up and we'll record every once in a while. But this time I had to tell her, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm working on some stuff, and, and I'm not going to be able to do that with you now. And for me, it's heartbreaking because I love every minute I get with her to do goofy stuff like that. But on the other hand, I got stuff I got to get done. And so she mm-hmm. got this dejected look on her face and, and stood there and, and, and tried to do the, I'll put this pody face on so Papa will do what I want face, which works 48% of the time. Um, I, I wish I had a better defense against it, but that's probably another episode. Um, and, and then she, she picked up her stuff and went off and, uh, and, uh, last I saw was podcasting, uh, in, in, uh, in a different room with, uh, with some stuffed animals and she's got her. Ah, uh, so she uh, did podcast after yeah, all. She yeah. found a way to do it. Yep. She just figured out she didn't need me to do it and, and moved on. Right. And, but that, that's a hard thing to do sometime that, that go it's play. very hard. And some of us, I think, find it, it, it's so full of emotional hurt because, 
Um, I've had parents tell me that their dad or their mom didn't pay attention to them when they were a little kid, and they yeah. were aching for that attention. And they'd ask any way they could to get some time from mom or dad, and they remember this just constant rejection. So then when, in turn, they become parents, their reaction is to overcompensate the other way and just never say no to the child, even if they're under a deadline, even if they're busy, even if it's just, I'm making supper right now, something daily that just has to happen. Um, and they find that they can't say no. Well, the kids learn that pretty young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, there are times adults have different things to do than kids. And we need to be able to say no and not fear that we're going to lose their love. I think that's an adult fear. Or not fear that or get that guilt that we're not being a good parent. Yeah. Um, well, we, we, we need do, some trust there. Yeah, we, we do bring a lot of our own baggage to our interactions with, with the children in our lives, whether they're, they're the ones you made yourself or, or ones you're working with. Um, and so sometimes it's, it's hard to set that aside and, and make those choices. Um, it's also hard for those kids because when the adult always chooses to drop what they're doing and give them that uh, undivided attention and, and become the, the child's plaything, uh, that child doesn't learn how to deal with no and we live in a world where every once in a while you come up with a no in your life and you have to be able to handle that you have to be a little bit resilient and and we take that resilience away from from kids the opportunity to learn how to be resilient when we don't right. uh, uh, say no one right and resilience is you're totally right and it's a, it's a big word everybody's saying oh gosh we need to do this now we're suddenly realizing the benefits of rejection and the benefits of learning how to cope and the benefits of resilience and bouncing back but there's also just the the benefits of darn old self-reliance and trust that the child can find something to do and that the child's ideas and the, the particular things that she finds to do may be quite odd in our mind. It may be pinging a rubber band aimlessly at the <laughs> ceiling. It doesn't matter what it is because that, for some reason, is meeting a need at that moment. And yeah. we can trust that it's a fine thing, even if it doesn't look terribly exciting. It's a fine thing to be doing. How, how can we, here in this podcast right today, help people understand that they can trust that? Because what I see way too often is that, and, and, and from parents and caregivers, is that we don't trust that flinging the, the doing the the goofy kid thing the rubber band thing or or uh or or sitting in the corner uh stacking legos for four hours or those kind of things they how do we help them see that those things are okay and that that there is value there <sighs> well i think we need to start with having a defense against the words i'm bored ah. because some someday most kids will say it yeah um and kids who are used to being constantly entertained are going to be quickly, if, if, if there's not a fun screen in front of them or someone's not actively doing something with them or they're not used to having time on their own, they really don't know what to ha how to handle it. So it can take some time for the child to get adjusted to new habits of, oh, I get to figure out what I'm doing. Um, but that I'm bored question, it's sort of, for some of us, it sort of rattles us and we want to instantly fix the problem. But... You know, when a child um, comes to me and says, I'm bored, I, I usually just say, wow, it sounds like you're not sure what to do right now. Sounds like you're in between things. Um, and then I'll say something encouraging like, I know you'll figure it out. <laughs> I know you'll find something. And then 
wait. And in 10 minutes, they've settled on something and they're not bored. Um, but you've got to, uh, sometimes a kid who's used to an adult, uh, leaning on an adult too much, will use that as a tactic to just get your attention instantly and they won't have to think of anything. Yeah, I, but, I, I, I completely agree. The, I think the hard part for adults who are doing this for the first time, because if you're, if you're used to always being at their beck and call and then you decide, hey, you guys need to figure it out, uh, that waiting part uh, can be very difficult. Yeah. And for, for kids who aren't used to this either, um, it may take them longer to figure out what to do because they just don't have the the skill, the practice at doing it. And so for parents that are looking at making the switch, there's going to there's gonna be a, there, oh, there's that, that learning curve that, that's going to yeah. be there, yeah. like there is with everything else. And, uh, and so they've got to be prepared for a little bit of uh, a struggle internally and, and coming from the child when they're looking at making that transition. Right. I think you're right. And, and that's when we start to second guess ourselves and say, oh, my gosh, I'm not doing this right. Or what's wrong with my kid? They're not playing the way they're supposed to. <laughs> it does take some transition. I think one thing that if, if you feel that you're caught in this trap as a parent, then um, take some steps like um, the first few times you're de- deciding that this afternoon we're just going to have some downtime and I'm not going to become the main playmate. Um, go, go outside together. You know, outside does wonders. So a kid, they'll they'll find an interesting stick. They'll find something. Sometimes a house becomes more limiting than just going outside and finding a bit of mud or a bit of puddle or something. Yeah, just that different environment kind of stimulates things. Um, you, you mentioned uh, second guessing themselves. I think I think when it comes to this issue, something else people parents second guess themselves on is self-esteem because I hear the argument I can't say no to my child because that will hurt them their self-esteem um, and again that probably goes back to issues that that adult has from their own childhood um, is is telling your kid to go figure it out for themselves every once in a while messing up their self-esteem well you know I feel the opposite because the the statement I trust you'll figure it out that conveys trust and respect from the adult to the child to say, I know you can do this. I know you can. And being told by somebody that you care about that you can do something that you think is hard at that moment, you know, that, that, that if anything, increases self-esteem what? to be trusted by somebody else and to let that follow through, not just say it and then backpedal the next minute, but trust it and let your your calmness speak for itself. Yeah, it, it, it's... It's what we're saying them is that I, I, I believe you're a capable being and you can figure this out. And that, there's, there's a lot there. I think the other benefit we get from that is, is it gets into this whole uh, difference between intrinsic, intrinsic motivation and, and extrinsic motivation. When you're always looking at somebody else to be the doer in your life. You kind of you kind of rely heavily on that, but when you're you're left to your own devices and you got to figure it out, um, your intrinsic motivation uh, kind of kicks in, and you're you're engaging in things you're more personally interested in, and you're going to stay engaged with them longer. Sometimes that kid, you you tell them to go play, you know, I don't have, I've got to I got to do this, go play, and uh, they'll futz around for a, a couple minutes and and then they'll find that thing and settle into it for, for a long period of time because they got to be the choosers. They were internally motivated to that, to that activity. Right. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because the um, person who was talking to me about this just mentioned that she thought it was easier for her child if there were other kids around 
um, her, her daughter always chose her to be the playmate instead of another age mate. And, of course, the, the age mates would have more uh, emotional social conflict potentially over the <laughs> rules of the game or who gets to wear the special dress up or all the different things that come up, whereas mom or dad or grandma or whoever will certainly take the, the teacup that you don't like or will use the red truck when you want the blue truck. And, you know, grown-ups are easy that way. <laughs> And so some of the natural conflict that comes up between age mate playmates, uh-huh. it just vanishes when you get this, this pliable adult to do what you want in your game. And there's nothing wrong with having a time like that. But to have that be the, the go-to, the constant, that, that's not giving the kids what they need to get some of their um, conflict experiences and their emotions worked out there. Not, not really preparing them for the give and take of the real world in those in situations like that, are they? Well, just even the give and take of being a three-year-old. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. well, that makes me wonder, Is for, for us adults, when we are playing with kids, should we always let them, should we always follow their lead 100%? Is it okay to, to uh, not take the teacup they handed us and, and, and whine for the red one instead of the green one? Those kind of things to, to kind of build in some of that? Or should we be the compliant uh, uh, stuffed animal that can talk for them? <laughs> now I'm picturing you with teddy bear ears. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think everyone's going to find their own path on that. When I'm playing a game, let's say we're playing Candyland, I will just mention that I I don't like the color green, and they'll give me a different color. You know, I don't necessarily <laughs> going to choose their favorite one, but I, I will stick up for myself sometimes or express an opinion. I do think that it, it's, a, it's a balancing act because when adults come in to play, some styles uh, of adults, they'll come in and, and they'll sort of direct the play. And that can be fun and exciting or overexciting for kids. But other times, um, it's really you're stepping in as a play partner. So play partners are more equally balanced. And sometimes since you're the semi-mature adult, you know, you can let the kids have, have their way more on those, on those things. Um, but I, I don't think you need to be a completely compliant teddy bear. Oh, good. I, I think it's different because if you're constantly the child's playmate versus giving them some special uh, 100% attention, you know, um, I call this special time where you just carve out part of your day and say, you and I are going to have special time. Yeah. And during that time, and it might be 20 minutes, but that's their time. They get to choose what you're going to do and you do it with them, and they're more or less in charge of the play unless there's something you don't like and you set a limit on it. But that's that's a child is directing the play. And a lot of the rest of the time, you're doing your own thing as an adult. So they get some of you, but they don't get all of you all of the time. Yeah, yeah. That It just, it, and it, it, it's just, it, it gets exhausting um, to be. It also gets boring. I think we don't admit oh. this self, to ourselves, but there are times where you are stacking blocks and maybe you've done it for an hour and uh-huh. you're really bored or you don't like doing pretend voices with the, the teddy bears but the child loves it and so if it's a kind of play that you just don't like or that you are really bored by after more than two minutes don't feel that to be a good parent you have to do this over and over it's it's not a requirement well yeah and the other thing is if you're not if you're not feeling it the kids are going to pick up on that, and it's not it's not as as real uh, uh, and and deep a, a play in in 
interaction as it could be if you're just kind of going through the motions and you're you're staying with that play because you feel you have to. Um, right. Kids are kids are real good at reading our body language and and uh, they and they're they really good at that. getting us to kind of do something they want. So I remember my mother telling babysitters when they come over, "Remember, you don't have to play a game just because they propose it." Because my brother and I loved to play doggy, where we'd have the babysitter crawling on hands and knees all over the house and barking and begging and things. And some of them liked it, and some of them didn't want to do that. You know, it's okay as an adult to say, "I don't want to do that game. I like this game better." Um, I I, the, I, <laughs> I I did I did this yesterday at I uh, took grandbaby to the to the children's museum uh, down in Omaha, Nebraska. We went went and goofed around, and I I, I, I did this because she started playing with a girl. She's three and three quarters now. Uh, she 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 told me yesterday that a couple of days ago she moved from three and a half, uh, and she starts playing with this little old girl, a little bit older, must have been five ish. And, you know, Rowan is little and she's cute and she's got the red hair and other kids sometimes feel like they need to do what she says because she's little. And I, I told this this other girl that she's playing with, you know, she does, you, you, you don't have to let her be the boss. And mm-hmm. she, she, she got this like, oh, okay. And they went on playing and, and they play, played together for 45 minutes and uh, had, a, had a good time. But sometimes even, even other kids need to know that they – they uh, they don't have to be the the compliant one in those situations, and that they can kind right. of stand up for themselves. They can have their own ideas. They can have different ideas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I got. So a, I have a, a whole chapter in the new book. In the book, it's okay to go up the slide. I have a whole chapter called "Families Are Not Entertainment Centers," <laughs> which uh, touches on a lot of these things because. Um, it just I, I get this image of that, you know, big screen and all those buttons you push and the cords and things. And uh-huh. sometimes I feel like we're reduced to that of what a family is. Well, keep them happy, keep them occupied, you know, keep them out of trouble, and uh, this is what good parenting is. <laughs> uh, um, but, well, before we go any further, you got to, because I want to hear some more about the chapter, but uh, what was the name of that book and how do people get the, get it? All right, this is a new book. It's a sequel to It's Okay Not to Share, and it's called It's Okay to Go Up the Slide, and it's coming out in March, March 8th, so it's coming up right around the corner. Um, and it's got a whole range of topics, including you know recess and homework and technology and strangers and all princesses, everything. But it's got a section on um, families are not entertainment centers. So uh, I think it's a more prevalent issue than many... Well, I, 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 I think we, we kind of give ourselves that, that role sometimes. Sometimes it's forced upon us, and sometimes we, we kind of we pick it up. Um, and I, I saw this at the Children's Museum yesterday, too. A lot, of, a lot of hovering adults, some hovering because they felt that's what they needed to be doing, but some hovering without the child wanting them to be hovering. It's kind of like they, they're, they're, they're so used to entertaining their kid that they can't step back and not be the entertainer. Uh, uh-huh. I, I saw a couple kids that were, were doing the eye roll when their parents weren't looking because they were trying to get away from the parent to engage with these other bright, shiny objects, these other children in this in this uh environment full of full of playful uh potential and and the parents were just kind of kind of staying within arm's length and and just kind of making it hard for that child to engage in the kind of play they wanted to engage in and so 
sometimes we're forced to be the entertainment unit, but sometimes it seems like we're we're forced to, or we 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 think we have to be, and so we take on that role and have a hard time giving it up. Right. Kids will behave differently, and they will play differently if we're watching too closely. And I think we need to give them some space. I mean, if, if they're in a reasonably safe location, then, you know, back off a little bit and let them play with all those other great, shiny kids. So how, for those parents who are struggling with some of this stuff, the stepping back and not, not being the center of attention, the, the helping their child wean themselves from, from the parents' uh, constant attention, how, how, what kind of tools can we give them uh, right. to, to, to take into their, their daily lives to make this a little bit more easy if they're looking to make that transition? Yeah, good question. Because for some people, it's really just a reminder, oh, right, I don't have to give all my time to them. And they can just heave a big sigh of relief and shift slightly the way they're already doing things, and they'll get back on track. But for some people, they really are pretty deep into this, and it's a habit on both sides, as you mentioned before. So I think there there needs to be a a conscious decision on the parent's part, okay, we're going to get back on track, but it's going to take some transition. And I have, um, I don't know how many step program, is it a 10 step program? (laughs) But I have ideas of ways, things that you can do um, to transition to a a more um, balanced set of free play for the child and adult time for the adult, which could mean you're getting your emails done or you're washing the dishes or whatever it is that you do as an adult. Um, that is in the vicinity of the child, but you're not entertaining the child. Um, and so some of those things are, um, you can co-play at first. You can um, say, I'll be here, I'll be here weeding the garden, you can be next to me doing whatever it is. And so you're, you're next to each other, but you're both doing your own thing. So your grandbaby was podcasting, and you were podcasting, you were, you know, close by. Um, and you can do steps like that, and then you can kind of be in the next room and do things like that. So you're out of sight, but you're still nearby. Um, there's all kinds of little steps that you can take, including telling your kid, you know, we've been doing it this way for a while. We're going to make a change now, because otherwise it could be kind of a surprise, <laughs> a drastic surprise. <laughs> what? Oh, by the way, I'm not playing with you anymore. Um, yeah, that, that well, would be a little bit. That would be a little bit rough. Yeah, you might have to work on your delivery yeah, there. Yeah, the, um, and and so yeah, it, it it's it's a process. It's going to take time, and there's going to be setbacks. But but if you if you put in that effort, and it's mostly about being mindful about what's going on, and if, if you need and trusting, well, yeah. yeah, and trusting trusting that the the children are going to turn out okay if we're not at their beck and call one hundred percent of the time, and uh, and and actually there are benefits for them going off and playing without us. Back in the day, um, I think growing up, it was pretty much the adult said, uh, uh, "Go play," and. Right. We, we went and went and played. And now we're not recommending that you send your, your three-year-old out with a packed lunch into the, into the neighborhood. And, uh, right, but and, they could be in the next room. They could be in yeah. the yard. You know, there's lots of places. They can even be, if you're doing something, they can be at your feet, but they're doing their own thing. So it depends what, what the mood of everybody yeah. at that moment and, and what you need to get done. But I had a, uh, a friend who said to me, well, I decided to try out what you said about all this free play stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I told, she was a family, it was an only child, and they went, did a lot of outings. They were always going places because she didn't know how else to entertain her child. So they just went places. Uh-huh. And then she said, okay, I'm going to try just 
downtime and just do some free play because Heather says it's a good idea. So she did nothing that day, and she was watching her child, you know. And the girl just stood there in the middle of the room and did absolutely nothing. And finally she said, what are we going to do today? Mom, where are we going? What's happening? What are we doing? And she was so floored by this reaction because the child was supposed to start playing uh-huh. that they they just went out and went to the gym or they did something. <laughs> Well, that, that must have really confused that child. That was just well, I think so because it was such a sudden change. Yeah. I think you do need to, t- if it's going to be a, a bit of a transition for you, uh, do the respectful thing and tell your child, we've been doing it this way, we're going to try this new way. And um, if you don't know what to do at first, you know, try these methods. And, and yeah. you can get tips from the book. It's The big thing is that even if a child has fallen into a habit of relying on adults, don't forget that that child underneath that habit is still wired for independent play. Yeah. Every child ever born has been wired for this. It is uh-huh. natural. It will come back to them. They may have a little struggle in the transition, but they can do it. And you need to feel confident that this is, a, uh, this is something that your child can do. I, I, I totally agree. And I got, I got one last question before we wrap this episode up. If you are the parent of a newborn, you just, you just brought the baby home from the hospital yesterday, and you want to raise a child who can go off and play, and, and so you don't end up in this, this situation that a lot of parents find themselves in when their kids get to be two or three or four years old. Are there any steps we those, those parents should be taking from the very beginning with that new infant to kind of, to kind of raise this child who's able to go off and, and do their own thing? Yeah, I, I think it's mostly the adult mindset, you know, if you're starting with, with the day one, is um, feeling confident, feeling that trust. And as you watch your infant grow and, and get to be older and beginning to do independent actions, um, watch what she can do, watch what he can do, and, and step back sometimes when as they get older and, and see how delightful it is when they start to become their own person and, and try their own things. Yeah, with, with so, that... Sorry, when that six-month-old is laying on the laying on the floor playing with uh, the the plastic keychain or a cardboard uh, paper towel tube or something like that, and they're perfectly content, take a couple steps back and and let them be. And and part of it is is getting to observe um, them doing their own thing is is at that age is amazing right. but also it shows them that you know you can be out of their sight and they can still be be content and that that leads right. to to learning self-comforting and self-regulation and, exactly. and all those other skills we, we don't have to make wiggly cute faces at them every moment they're awake yeah um you know that's sometimes a fun thing to do as an interaction but it's not what they need at every moment they need to be on their own a little bit even even as a baby Absolutely. And you, dear listeners, you need to be on your own a little bit, too. So we got to wrap it up. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.